The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. It's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Kyle Boone is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. Strong jaw spent last week the NFL NBA NBA draft combine. It was in Chicago, so it felt like a good time to sit down and pick his brain just a little bit. Obviously, the combine is a place where prospects annually help or hurt themselves either by testing a certain way or measuring a certain way or playing a certain way. So let's start with this. Kyle, if you had to name one winner from the combine, who walked out of there helping himself the most? Yeah, look at me. I'm going to start this podcast off by not following directions. I couldn't narrow it down to one, so I went with two. And I feel like two is about right. Two Two people... Uh, who stood out from scrimmages on day one, both shut it down going into day two. And typically that is like the, oh, okay. They really did a nice job on the first day and improved their stock. The first was Omax Prosper, who's from Marquette. He tested well with a 40 and a half inch Max Vert. He had 21 points, seven rebounds in, in the scrimmage, seven foot one wingspan, energy guy who kind of impacted the game with hustle, with cutting, creating second chance points and the other number 99. And I was in the stands watching this scrimmage behind an NBA team who was watching this game. And kind of one of the, one of the decision makers will say kind of popped back to his scouting staff and said, who is number 99? And I'm like sitting there like, that's a great question. Who is number 99? I have no idea. So I'm like pulling out my sheet, Tristan Vucevic, Seven-footer who plays in the Adriatic League was really, really impressive. He did, he played so well on the first day that he did not show up on day two, had 21 points in just 16 minutes, made a fadeaway jumper, hit a three, scored 12 points in like just a matter of a few minutes. And did I mention he's seven foot? Oh, he's seven foot. So uh, really impressive. I thought the movement, the skill that he showed, and obviously when when you're, you know, when you play one day and then don't show up the next day, as has been the case, like historically, 
that typically means either you got a promise to be a potential late first round pick, or you did so well that like you have nothing to gain from continuing to compete at the combine. Both of those guys to me stood out. Um, so if you were big boarding them right now, where would you have them? Mm, okay. Spoiler alert here. I've got a big board coming up later this week. Woohoo! Yay. Oh, Max Prosper. He is going to be number 30. Where is he? He is 27 on the big board. Uh, so he moved up from in the forties all the way up to 27, which would be a, you know, potential first round pick would be a late first round pick. If you were kind of projecting it out, uh, Vucevic moved up. He was not on the big board. Of course, we only did uh, top 50 before the NBA draft combine. He's now 48 on the big board. So he is in the mix that would put him as like a mid to late second round pick. Um, don't have a great feel on exactly where he will go, but based off of how he performed this week, I think he went from like a potential two way guy to definitely in the mix to be drafted and, and maybe even 48 would be a little bit low. We'll see kind of in the next couple of weeks, how he continues to improve his stock on Omax prosper. He has maintained his college eligibility. Hasn't he? He has, yes. So would you think, based on what you saw at the Combine, Mark, and it's always an interesting situation coaches must find themselves in. Like, if you're Shaka Smart, like, you recruit these young men, you want what's best for them. On a surface level, performing well at the Combine is what's best for them. It's awesome. But it also might be the thing that now keeps him in the draft, and you lose a key piece to a team that, you know, won a Big East title and Big East tournament title. So it's like, it reminds me of coaches on the grassroots circuit. Like they've got a player committed at the mid-major level and like you want your guy to, you know, play well, but not too well because if he plays too well on this stage, well then, you know, the power conference level schools are going to get involved and you might not be able to keep him committed. Same thing here. Omax Prosper goes to the combine. Maybe he's legitimately on the fence about what he's going to do. Performs well test well and now he might be leaning more towards staying in the draft so this good week for him is possibly a bad week for Marquette if that makes sense yeah I think the price of the bricks going up now whether or not Omax Prosper comes back to college or stays in the NBA draft I don't know I would say probably he is leaning towards staying in the NBA draft just because he he played so well this week he tested so well this week he's come off a, a really good season at at Marquette um if he decides to come back to college, uh, NIL opportunities, I think, are going to be opened up in a way that maybe they weren't before this season. But either way, um, I think the decision for him going into the week was, you know, do I take a gamble? Do I maybe get a guaranteed contract as, a, you know, a top 40-ish draft pick? And now I think it's like, okay, this guy could go top 30, which would be first round. Or who knows? Like maybe this guy continues to rise because he was really impressive, showed some stuff creating on the ball attacking off of the dribble like this could be a guy just with his size his athleticism could not could end up being like a top 20 pick in which case like i think it's a it's a no-brainer he should stay in the nba draft i I think that's probably the direction he's leaning but he has kept his options open at least for now and hasn't committed one way or another so give me some other players who maybe help themselves or hurt themselves from your perspective at the combine i know in an email you sent me amari bailey you think helped himself yeah, Amari Bailey was one that I thought looked really good. It's funny because the first uh, game from scrimmage I saw him in, 
was like maybe four minutes into the game and I ran into another media member and I was like, man, what's your, what's your takeaways from what we've seen so far? And they said they texted someone from an NBA team who said basically Amari Bailey with like the cringe emoji face just because he started awful. I mean, like bad decisions, couldn't finish at the rim. And then from there, like the rest of the week, he was really impressive. And this is a guy who's a five-star recruit. He was top 10 in his class joined a UCLA team that was veteran, um, you know, and so he wasn't really relied on until down the stretch for UCLA kind of stepped up as a scorer. But really to me, I thought the the playmaking that he showed in the scrimmage settings was, was really impressive. And that to me, I thought was kind of his, his biggest selling point because we know this guy's can score it. He can get to the, to the rim whenever he wants, but if he's going to be like a true combo guard and, and is able to create, uh, off the dribble and, and as a playmaker. I thought that was really impressive. So uh, coming into the week, Bailey was a top 30 prospect on the CBS big board. And um, yeah, he's he's going to stay that way. I think we have him like top 20 now um, when, the, when the big board gets updated list later this week. You know, he's a 6'5 guard who averaged 11.2 points, 3.8 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 1.1 steals per game. Uh, playing 26.9 minutes per contest uh, for a UCLA team that was obviously very good. Shot 38.9% from three. Now, not many attempts yeah. per game, just 1.8. But like when he shot him, he made him at a, at a pretty good rate. Like you said, you've got him going 30th in your latest mock draft. He's one of those guys who was a super famous high school player because mm-hmm. of where he played, because of social media, like frankly, because his mom is – famous and and has dated drake uh, among others so he got a lot of attention but coming out of high school i i think most people thought he's more famous than he is talented he's more famous than like he's he's among the most famous freshmen in the country but he's not probably going to be a one and done first round pick that seemed to be the consensus heading into his freshman year at ucla and now, you know, as always, we'll see, but he's at least got a chance to be selected in the first 30 picks, which, um, you know, means that on some level, he's spent the past year proving some people wrong. Yeah. And like a very uh, recognizable name. Right. Uh, now, uh, just because I think social media is what it is now, like you go on House of Highlights and this dude is jumping out of the gym. He's very athletic. Com- combine that with the fact that his, you know, his mom was dating Drake. Uh, it's a guy that people like recognize and see and know, but coming into his freshman season, it felt a lot like this guy's like a great highlight real player, but not totally convinced. Like he's a definite one and done player. And I think the polish that he showed uh, this week, kind of the progression he showed throughout the season at UCLA playing, of course, under Mick Cronin, the the greatest UCLA coach in, in, in school history. Uh, was was really impressive, and uh, to me, like I thought, he had a really difficult stay or go decision. We'll see, but I think it's a pretty easy decision, and I would expect that he probably stays in the NBA draft. Robert Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. On the subject of players who are more famous than they are good, um, Imani Bates, when you are at the Combine talking to NBA front office members, um, what's the opinion of Imani Bates now after two years of college, one awful year at Memphis, and then a statistically significant year at Eastern Michigan, but a lot of points for a really, really bad team that lost a lot. Yeah, I think there's um, maybe some cautious optimism is how I would maybe put it. You know, this is a guy who was a five-star recruit in his class for a long time, was ranked as the number one player in his class, viewed as the best basketball prospect regardless of classification, which is basically how we view Victor Wiminyama now. And so, you know, he, he reclassifies, he goes to Memphis, mostly struggles at Memphis, as, as you've noted several times here on this podcast. Memphis was, you know, kind of better when he was on the shelf. Goes to Eastern Michigan this past season, puts up big, big numbers um, in a lower level of, of competition. And um, yeah, so like in a nutshell, he's, he's six foot eight. He's a great shot maker. The shots he takes can be kind of wild. The decisions he makes can be sometimes kind of wild. I think playing within a framework of a system or a structure is uh, maybe not best for him or it's not necessarily where he's thrived. Um, but I thought he had some kind of good moments this week. It, it, it's kind of a, a mixed bag of kind of what we've seen from Imani Bates the last two seasons where he's taken some crazy shots and, you know, kind of a little bit of a ball sticker. Like the, the ball comes to him. He is not looking to pass. He's looking to shoot it. Um, that's, that's kind of the wrap on Imani Bates, but, um, and this is probably reading too much into it, but I'm sitting there watching, taking notes and watching his body language. I thought that was really good. He was like really into it and kind of hyping up his teammates, giving them high fives as they, you know, made shots, um, was really talkative on the bench. And so, you know, he, he showed some good things and I'm sure he knew NBA teams were watching for all of those things and seeing kind of how he carried himself this week. And, um, I, I wouldn't say he did himself any favors this week. I'm not entirely sure my view on Imani Bates changed at all. But I do think, you know, from from uh, attitude perspective and kind of how he carried himself this week, uh, I thought it was a solid week for him. Also in his past, something that complicates his draft status is that, you know, he was pulled over in a car yep. and, you know, he had weed in the car and he had a gun in the car. I, I personally don't care too much or at all about if an NBA draft prospect likes to smoke. Like, I don't care. But um, I do think it shows poor decision-making for you to have what is technically an illegal substance in your car when you are an NBA draft prospect like uh, like Amani Bates is. For instance, like, I disagree with marijuana laws in some states. Like, I think marijuana should be legal everywhere. So I fundamentally disagree. I'm not bothered by anybody who smokes or whatever, but like, you know, the laws are the laws. I can't snap my fingers and change them. And for him to be riding around in a car with a substance that can get you arrested, um, 
under the bright lights that he's under, again, shows a, a if nothing else, a, a, a tendency to sometimes make bad decisions. The gun is problematic. Like, I do have a real problem with the gun. And I saw a quote, I guess it was from Adam Zagoria. At the very least, Adam is the one who tweeted it. But uh, an NBA executive had told somebody, you know, same thing, you know, source NBA front office executive, you know, you know, blah, 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 uh, said, you know, nobody's messing with that. Like you, you better if you're going to if you're going to be if you're going to be riding around with guns, you better be as talented as John Morant. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and Amadi Bates is already a questionable prospect. So that'll be something that, um, you know, also like it's just something front offices have to consider. Why was he riding around with a gun and weed, you know? Yep. In, in that fashion and this isn't even one where you can blame it on somebody else you know I, I know he tried but like yeah you're in the car by yourself uh, i watched the body cam video like you know he 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 didn't say oh i did he knew he knew he was in a car with a gun and with with weed that why did you put yourself in in that position all that said i won't be surprised at all if i look up in three years and amani bates is in the nba making shots like yeah. if he could it's pretty clear at this point he's never going to be what some thought he might be when he was 15, 16 years old. Maybe I shouldn't say there's no chance, but like it seems unlikely he's ever going to live up to those types of expectations or even be an all-star level basketball player. But if you're 6'8", 6'9", and you can consistently make shots and understand your role, there's a place for you in the NBA. Like Everybody's looking for you know, wings with size who can stretch the floor and create space. And it, I do think if he understands his role, gains some strength and become a, um, you know, an enthusiastic defender and a situational shot maker, like that guy can play in the NBA if he's willing to understand what he needs to be and, and, and actually embrace those things. The point you made about gain some strength, you just kind of dropped that in there. That was, I think, a very good point because I talked to several people who were kind of watching and scouting him this week. That was like the first thing that multiple people said to me was like, he is hilariously slender. Like his arms, they're smaller than G- than UGP. Like they're so tiny. They're just like twigs. It's shocking to look at, honestly. Um, he's got like a... He has a good frame, right? He's oh wow, he flexing on the pod. Oh my god! I'm not a money base. Look at that. Look at that Look right at that. there. Look at those biceps. What's that routine? Uh, just vodka sodas, basically, just like that. Oh, that's pretty much. Time. That's pretty much the extent of it. It's good looking. Good looking. So yeah, I, I mean, like the shot making is is something that I think will translate if he can do it a little bit more efficiently. If he can fill out his frame, I I think there's still some hope for Imani Bates, and I think a lot of teams would be excited to take a gamble on him, but no one is going to take a chance on him uh, given his his recent history and kind of the trajectory for him the last few years. Um, anywhere in the first round, I don't think. Um, and so it, it's maybe you know it's a question of how far does he slip? Does he end up getting picked in the second round, or is he like a priority free agent? Um, that to me is going to be interesting. Uh, he's he's one of the more famous like basketball prospects in a long time, and so um, yeah, I, I think it was uh, overall a fairly positive week for him. And now I'm curious to see kind of where he goes during this NBA draft process. I see somebody in the chat point out that Amani Bates was not in his car; it was somebody else's car. I, I'm aware, but the point is this: he knew there was a gun in the car, and he knew there was weed in the car. Like he, he it wasn't like, oh, this is my uncle's car. 
sure, officers, you can search it if you want to. Oh, wow. I can't believe there's a gun in here. That's not what happened. He knew he was in a car with weed. He knew he was in a car with gun with a gun and he was in it anyway. That's a problem. And it is it. I don't like he might not get picked anyway, independent of that, given that he you know, he's very thin. He's an unaccomplished college basketball player and he, you know, d- doesn't measure well at all. Right. Um, so and he's not athletic at all. So those could be the things that prevent him from getting picked. But the gun, the gun thing didn't help. And it'll be something that I'm confident he's asked about over and over again by any franchise, even considering maybe selecting him in the 2023 NBA draft. Uh, Purdue Zach Eady, reigning national player of the year. He was there. He did not play five on five, even though he is projected by basically nobody to be a first round pick. Let's stop there. Was that wise in your opinion for Zach Eady to not even try to play five on five? Um, I mean, I probably in his situation, I probably would have. Uh, there was a lot of players like in his projected range, which is you know second round undrafted, who were out there competing. Like Adama Sanogo was out there, Drew Timmy was out there, Oscar Shibwe was out there. I thought he could have done himself some favors by playing in five on five, especially after you know the athletic testing really did not check out very well. I think he had the the lowest max vert of anyone who participated at the combine this week. So that wasn't great. Uh, obviously the, the measurements checked out fantastic. He's like eight foot 11 without shoes and just like a freakish long athlete. So uh, that was good, but yeah, he, he did not, uh, he did not do five on five stuff and uh, not surprising, I guess, but I, I feel like he could have maybe done some, done himself some favors. My uh, first instinct would be like, eh, you've got to prove people you can play against other NBA caliber guys, and this is a good place to do it. On the other hand, I think if I were advising him, I would have said don't play because yeah. th- these things are not set up for him. Like for Zach Eady to shine in a five-on-five at the Combine – you got to throw him the ball. You got to play through him. That's not really how these games are played. Um, you know, everybody is out there trying to show what they can do. And <laughs> entry passes to Zach Eady isn't really the the way you you impress. I mean, I don't think you impress NBA scouts or show them what they're looking for. So odds are it was going to be an up and down game dominated by guards, and he yep. can get lost in that. And so I'm not saying that he he couldn't have helped himself by playing. There's a scenario, I guess, where he could have, but more like more than likely, I think he probably does nothing to help himself by playing, or and maybe actually hurts himself. So I get it. Um, I, I know it's frustrating for front offices. I I gather it's frustrating for some fans. Like, yo, let's like let's get out there and play. Like, what are you afraid of? But these are all quite literally multi million bi- dollar business decisions. And I can understand why an agent would suggest, if not advise, uh, Zach Eady, just advise him, yeah, here's why you could play, but here are all the reasons you probably shouldn't. So let's just uh, let's just set this thing out. Uh, He did meet with the media, though. Mm -hmm. Um, You were there. Did you get a sense one way or another of how he's feeling about whether to withdraw from the draft and return to Purdue or remain in the draft and call his college career a career. I didn't get a definite read on that GP, but he did, 
he was asked about Purdue scheduling a game versus Alabama in Canada. Um, and he frankly admitted like, that's really appealing to me. He's from Canada. The idea of playing again at Purdue next season, playing in Canada was something that I think kind of excited him. And then he kind of went about his diplomatic way talking about how, yeah, I'm going to go through this process. I'm going to do what's best for me, for my family. I'm going to try and get feedback from NBA teams, feel uh, about what uh, what I can improve as a player, as a person, and and take that feedback and then just make you know the right decision for him. So, um, I I feel like I feel like he will come back to to college, um, but that's not a sure thing. And and I think he probably has not even decided. I will say on top of. Uh, this Zach Eady discussion, he did have his own like pro day from uh, through his agency. Um, so he did not participate in like five on five stuff, but uh, he did have his, his pro day in front of, you know, NBA teams and media. And he did a pretty good job. I, I think, uh, I think I might've went viral GP. I, I, I had uh, one of our social girls posted a video that I had taken where Zach Eady is dunking. And it's just like him just, reaching up and dunking like he's not even like jumping and uh, so him and ryan kalkbrenner were both doing drills where they're grabbing ball off the rebound and dunking um he showed some range like he he made some three pointers um so i i think he showed some things that were kind of impressive um so we'll see i i don't know exactly what he's gonna do but i think probably the decision has not even been decided yet yeah um you know, we'll, we'll see. I imagine he's going to take it right to the deadline, very close to it at the at the very least. And then uh, ultimately, if I had to bet, I bet he's back at Purdue just because there's a lot of reasons to think he's going to be back at Purdue. A, and I know it's complicated, but I'm just going to assume there's smart enough people at Purdue to figure out how to get this name, image, and likeness stuff where it needs to be. Mm. Uh, B, do you really want to go out like that with a first-round loss to fairly Dickinson, or do you want to try to rewrite that story and maybe actually take Purdue to a final four? Because with Zach Eady back, I, I think Purdue's quite clearly a preseason top five team. I know it ended poorly in March, but those that's the big 10 uh, outright champs, big 10 tournament champs and a team that was an undeniable one seed in the NCAA tournament. If they bring basically everybody back from that, I'll rank them uh, based on what they showed throughout the entire season, not based on what they showed in the last 40 minutes uh, that they play. Beyond that, like you said, there's a, a game scheduled in Canada quite intentionally. That's for Zach Eady. You know, Roy Williams used to do this for players all the time. Like he would take, I want to say North Carolina one time scheduled a game at St. Louis so that Tyler Hansborough could go back home and play. And so this is a thing that matters to, to players. And it, it seems like, Matt Painter has done this very intentionally as a another thing to lure him back to campus. And then mm-hmm. there's that, I think it was a coaches versus cancer gala uh, recently, certainly within the past month or two. And Tom Izzo was quoted multiple times as saying, you know, Matt's bringing everybody back at Purdue. Like not, you know, at Purdue, well, boy, if Zach Eady's back, they could be really good. <laughs> he was just matter of factly, you know, Matt's bringing everybody back from a team that won it all. So, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he didn't quite say they should be the favorite. But like he, he oh, multiple times, he just sort of matter of factly, Matt's going to have everybody back. And I think that's probably because he's had a conversation and 
he's on walk operating under the assumption that that Zach Eady is going to be back in school. So for all of those reasons, I assume he'll be back at Purdue. And I am currently ranking Purdue accordingly in the top 25 and one. But uh, like I said, we'll, we'll see. He'll probably take the decision right up to the deadline. Those measurements you spoke of height, seven foot, four and a quarter wingspan, <laughs> seven, ten and a half hand length, 10 inches. His hands are 10 inches. What standing reach nine foot, seven and a half. So he is a, an unusually large human who is the reigning national player of the year. And he's probably got the biggest decision of anybody to make uh, going forward. If he leaves, Purdue is still good because Purdue is always good. But if he comes back, Purdue is not only good, they got a potential to be great. And, and I, I would think should be the favorite to, to win the big 10 in back-to-back seasons while at the combine Cal got to, uh, Get some sit-down time with the Thompson twins who are probably about a month away from making history. What did he learn? Sitting down with those guys? I'll ask Kyle Boone next. But first, a uh, word from our partners. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Kyle was at the Combine last week and got some sit-down time with the Thompson Twins. As you noted in a piece you filed from Chicago, they are expected to become, next month, the first siblings in history to be selected in the top 10 of the same NBA draft. What did you learn about the Thompson twins in the time you spent with them? Mm, okay, so this is this is going to walk us right into a trivia time, GP. Okay. Trivia time. There's been a couple twin pairings who have been drafted in the NBA. Can you name the pairings? You don't even have to name the year. Just name the pairings. Brooke and Robin Lopez? Uh-huh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Marcus and Marquise Morris? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are there any other? There is one more. There is one more pairing. One more pairing. Twins. Are they twins? They are twins. Twins. So I got Morris twins, Lopez twins. Morris twins, Lopez twins. I don't remember any other twins. I know I'll know it when you say it, but I don't know it right now. You have to go. You have to go way back. Um, let's see. Oh, bad radio. Okay, so it's it's uh, Harvey Grant. Oh, and Horace Grant. Horace Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back in the eighties. Yep. So three, three, three sets of twins have been selected in the same draft, but none have ever both gone in the top ten. Safe to say. Both of these twins are going to go in the top 10. Everybody has them projected that way. Horace was actually taking the, 
let's see. Harvey was drafted the year after Horace. Okay. So they are, they are twins. The they were taken a different year, but they were taken uh, both in the lottery. Yes. Amin and Asar Thompson are expected to be the first twin pairing to be drafted in the top 10 in the same year. Um, both from Overtime Elite. Overtime Elite is a kind of fledgling professional league based out of Atlanta. They got some uh, capital investments from the likes of Kevin Durant, Jeff Bezos, Drake. And uh, the last few years, they've spent their time there basically developing as uh, professionals. Like they're, they're going through a professional regimen and playing, you know, professional schedule. And <clears throat> so now they're at the point where I, th- I think right now they, they could actually end up being two top five picks, very athletic, uh, very toolsy, good playmakers. I talked to him a little bit about, you know, the common criticism with overtime elite, right, is the level of competition. You watch the games and it's like, man, this is like, it looks like they're playing a little bit advanced version of like a pickup at the Y. And so, you know, I asked him just like, how do you, how do you handle like doubters and, and people who watch the games and say, hey, like this competition isn't good. And they say like, yeah. I get it. You know, like I understand if you want to push back on maybe the competition that we play with, but like I'm more of a, I'm more than just a product of OTE. So you could cre- question like the competition, but you can't question like my competitive spirit, like how I handle myself, my work ethic, which I thought was like chef's kush, just a perfectly great PR response. And I don't know if he had that kind of queued up and ready to go, but that was good. And, um, he's, I think both of these guys, Amin and Asar are two guys who are definitely eager and willing to try and prove themselves because I think they hear kind of the whispers that, you know, they're, they're really good athletes. They may be a little bit raw. How's it going to translate going from overtime elite, which no one has came from overtime elite and, and been a first round pick. Um, they have some hurdles to overcome, but I, I think um, the NBA is very excited about them, obviously, and they're on the mix now, I, I think, to be you know lottery picks and maybe a little bit more than that. It seems like these are the, the types of prospects who – because I've seen some people – like the overtime elite debate is just back and forth. Like it's either garbage or it's uh, it's the – next great thing like mm. it's not going to be here in five years or it's going to be here in 50 like everybody's got wild opinions about it um uh, if i were overtime elite i would be trying to push that hey the, the we we're going to have two top 10 picks like mm. we're not some joke like you, we are to be taken seriously and like that's fine i'm not even pushing back on that but these two guys feel like they would be in this position literally no matter what they did Yes. Like, like if they would have stayed in a traditional high school, if they would have played a year of college, if they would have gone to G League Ignite, like these Thompson twins have been on everybody's radar for years. And they were, they're the type, there's sometimes prospects like this, like Derek Rose could have gone to Memphis or Middle Tennessee State. It would not have mattered. He was always going to be Derek Rose. Uh, same thing for Anthony Davis. He could have gone anywhere, and he was going to be Anthony Davis. It feels like the Thompson Twins, yes, they are overtime elite products, and if I were overtime elite, I'd be putting them on billboards and saying we got two top ten picks. We made history. But they, they're they not in this position, I don't think. And pushback, if you feel it appropriate, I don't think they're in this position because of overtime elite. I think they're in this position because they are uniquely gifted, naturally talented. Yes hardworking young men, but 
mostly just incredibly gifted, naturally talented young people. No, I definitely think that's right. I think that's right. And they committed to overtime elite just after another twin pairing committed in 2021, which was the Bewley twins. And, but at the time it was like, what is overtime elite? Like, what are these guys going to do? Who are they going to play? How's this developmental program going to look? And, um, there's definitely been some questions that have come up the last two years about this program. And, you know, they could have gone to G League Ignite. They could have gone to NBL, which is where, you know, RJ Hampton, LaMelo Ball played. They could have gone to like the traditional route and played at, you know, Duke or Kentucky or wherever the heck they wanted their five-star recruits. I, I think they could have literally just picked wherever they wanted to play college basketball. Um, this was this was like right before NIL was legalized. And so, yeah, I, I think they, they had a, a basically could pick wherever they wanted. They were probably better for overtime elite than overtime elite was better for them. Still, they're at the point where, you know, they have overcome, you know, whatever circumstances they've had to overcome. They've got through this program. They're going to be top 10 picks. And, um, yeah, like they're going to make history. And and I think overtime elite will, as you said, they're going to prop them up. They're going to say, hey, these, you can, you can go take a different route and be, and go through overtime elite and be a lottery pick. And I think this is going to help recruiting. Hopefully it will help this program continue to grow. There's a lot of professional paths that players can take outside of college now, you know, NBL, G League Ignite, Overtime Elite. And this is another, I think, emerging, like very viable path that that players can take. Last thing, most people think Amon is the superior prospect. Mm-hmm. Is it clear cut to you? Yeah, I don't think it's clear cut to me. I actually I asked them who's the better prospect. Like how do how do you how do you rank you guys in this class? I asked them also with Victor Wembanyama, and they both said uh, Asar has Amen number one ahead of Wembanyama, and ahead of him, Amen has Amen at number one. <laughs> so like so they both agreed like. Well, no, the nobody, knows, nobody knows the Thompson twins better than the Thompson twins. So if they yeah. both say Amon is the better prospect, I'll, I'll lean that way too. I think Osar said it somewhat begrudgingly. And I think he was trying to like reel that back. Like, okay, maybe I should have said it was me. <laughs> um, they both think very highly of themselves sure. and you know, rightfully so like you ask Scoot Henderson, who's the best prospect in this class. Scoot Henderson, like doesn't miss a beat. He thinks he's the best player in this class. Victor women. Yami ask him, and he's like, well, I'm the best player in this class. No offense to Scoot, but like, you know, if I wasn't born, Scoot would be the best player in this class, but <laughs> I was born, you know? And so like, they all have this like confidence that exudes about them. And um, so, yeah, I, I think Amin is like technically probably in the eyes of the NBA, maybe the more advanced prospect, just that maybe a little bit better playmaker, a little bit more polish. But also are like, you know, if, if in the NBA draft next month, if, Amin goes number four and Osar goes number five or six. Like that won't be surprising. I think it's like shockingly close. And in fact, Osar actually had more assists per game last season than Amin did, despite Amin like being viewed as the better playmaker and passer. So I think their skill sets are very similar. They're both really good athletes and they've put up huge numbers, obviously at, at overtime elite. And I think we'll be top 10 picks in this class. I know I said last thing, one more thing. Um, you and Norlander talked about it last week um, while I was traveling to New York. Um, everybody, myself included, thinks that that number two pick is coming down to Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. Yeah, Could Amon 
does Amon, should Amon be a part of that conversation more than he appears to be, at least publicly? Yes, I think so. I think everyone has already chalked it up as it's Brandon Miller and it's Scoot Henderson. Um, I think Amon is in the mix. I talked to Amon about this and he said he thinks he's in the mix. Uh, he already met with Charlotte's front office when he was in Chicago and had a meeting with Mitch Kupchak. So I think Charlotte, that that is more than just I'm doing my due diligence to me. I think it's, okay, we like several guys at this number two spot. And they have to know, like, you know, Amon is not going to be available at number, you know, 13 or wherever if they decide to trade up into the late lottery or something like they have their number two pick. And if they're going to seriously consider all the options here, I think they're going to be serious about like who they want to do some diligence on. And so Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, I think are probably the favorites to go number two. And in fact, Kupchak has kind of said like, we're at a point now where we feel like we can prioritize fit over talent, which is a hilarious thing to say after winning 27 games in a season. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think it, uh, I think it'll actually end up being Amen, Scoot or Brandon Miller. I think in some order it will be Scoot or Brandon Miller who end up going two, three, but I think all three, all three of those guys will be in the mix there. Nada as a uh, Charlotte fan, open your mic up. Who do you want the Hornets taken at number two? I would put it this way. I have it now in the order of Scoot, Amon, Brandon Miller. Oh, yeah. I like it. I think I would go Brandon Miller, Scoot, and then Amon. I'm not opposed to the 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 Scoot, LaMelo Ball backcourt, if that's like yeah. what you're going to try to do. I do wonder about putting a, a non-shooter with LaMelo. Like, is mm-hmm. that, you know, that that... And I think Scoot's going to be awesome. I think I think he's going to be incredible, even if the shot never comes around. Because at that position, when you are, when you can do the things he can do as a lead guard, you can actually be great without having without shooting the ball. It, it, you'd rather be a a a, 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 a you know a, a reliable shooter. But there there are, there's a long list of guys who play that position who are great without ever being what any of us would call great shooters. So. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to be great. I wonder if how perfect the fit is with LaMelo, whereas Brandon Miller has this one skill that is so obviously going to translate as this wing with size who's going to be able to knock down shots consistently. Like, I know I, – I think Brandon Miller has – of those two prospects, Brandon Miller's got the surest translatable NBA-level skill, and that's an yeah. ability to shoot from the perimeter with size. Um, so I I would probably lean that direction, but I don't feel strongly about it. Like I don't. Sometimes I have these big like. There's no way I would do anything other than this at number two. And at at number two, I could I could reasonably understand why you would take any of those three guys. Um, you know, if you're that Charlotte franchise. But but to our initial point, I would be looking at all three of them, not just Scoot and Brandon. I'd be looking at Scoot, Brandon, and and Amanta. Yeah. I, I think I still lean Scoot over Amin and Brandon Miller at this point. Um, like, for example, we've seen the the Oklahoma City Thunder pair Shea Gilgis-Alexander with someone who's like not really a shooter but can be a playmaker and create, which is Josh Giddy. I think that would be kind of like the perfect pairing and, and ideal fit where LaMelo's the guy who maybe dominates the ball more often than not. 
Um, he's he's the better three point shooter, but Scoot is a guy who can create as well. He does a lot of different things that would complement Lamelo Ball, and so. Yeah, I, I think probably if it's relatively close in terms of how Charlotte views, you know, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, and Amin Thompson, to me, you just take the best talent because your franchise is in a pretty tough point right now. Uh, but yeah, I, like if they take Brandon Miller and, and they think, you know, he's a better fit or whatever, and they, they see both of them kind of in the same plane, makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I think you could go one of three directions there, and it's it's ultimately like you know we can say we don't think there's much difference in terms of caliber of prospect between these guys, but there will be a difference in terms of caliber of player. It'll play out over time. Like it'll become pretty clear over time who should have been the number two pick. It's just not crystal clear to me right now. So I'll let Charlotte's front office figure it out. That's not my job. It's not my job to figure that. that out. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for watching and listening to the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Rate it. Review it. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. I thank you in advance for knocking that out. We'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Thank you.